Welcome to the Sensory Change Podcast, where we learn to think differently as a community supporting sensory kids at all levels. We share all sensory matters through discussions and interviews with experts in the field to get practical ideas and simple strategies to implement in day-to-day life. Here is your host and author of Against the Odds, Dana Latter. Jeff Shaler is one of the most qualified behavior optometrists in Europe with over 30 years experience and more than 30 research publications. He has won numerous awards. It is an honor to have you with us, Jeff. Hello. Hi. Um, So, Jeff, would you be able to explain to the listeners about vision therapy? What is vision therapy? First of all, perhaps I should say what it isn't. Um, A lot of people assume that eyesight and vision are the same. Uh, We're not trying to stop people wearing glasses. We're not trying to change their prescription. Uh, The thing with many people, whether it's children with learning problems or people with brain injury, it's they have processing problems with, with their visual system. So... The eyes are doing the work, they're receiving light, but the brain has trouble in processing the information and coordinating the eyes. So they have problems with um, turning the eyes in, focusing, reading, sort of comprehension, directing action, that sort of thing. And vision therapy is all about developing those processes so they work in a um, more relaxed, more efficient more automatic system. And uh, what conditions would vision therapy help with? Um, A lot of things. I mean, like if you take a sportsman, um, someone can be super good runner, but they're not Olympic standard. But if they practice and train and train, they can improve that performance. The same with vision. Um, We can improve our performance depending on an individual's requirements. So if we take a high-level sportsman, um, he requires good vision in order to perform. And if you improve that performance, you improve his sport. Now, personally, I don't deal with sportsmen, but I thought it was an interesting one to to add to the, the thing. But what we're seeing is with children with learning difficulties, Um, it's now reckoned that at least one in four children uh, in school today have a vision-related learning difficulty. Now, this is not an eyesight problem. That's one in ten children. Um, But one in four children have this problems with organisation. So their peripheral vision is often limited. Uh, They only see a small area when they're reading. So when you listen to them reading, it's slow, it's disjointed, uh, there's flat, no intonation in there. And from a parent, it's very boring to listen to them. Um, when we do vision therapy, we're doing is we're working what we call the five F's of vision. Fields, which is their peripheral vision, how much you see to the side. Um, fixations, this is the eye movements. Um, the ability to turn the eyes in. Then we've got the 
focusing system. We need to be looking something at near. We need to focus on near. We need to be able to focus at mid-range for computer. And we need to focus out to the board for reading. Fusion is the two eyes teaming as a pair. We've only got one eye. We're processing very much less information. And when we have two eyes that are pointing in different directions, then the whole comprehension of systems uh, go down. And the fifth F is simply flexibility. So this is the body's coordination, sort of what some people term gross motor, which is like walking and movement, fine motor, which is more hand-eye coordination, as well as all these other elements that we've talked about, the fixations, the focus, the fusion um, side of it. So in vision therapy, we're working on all those um, areas so that the brain is able to react to visual input much, much quicker, much easier. Uh-huh. And um, you specialize in syntonics. Yep. Uh, first, first of all, <laughs> and, could you tell yep. us why you chose to uh, specialize in this field? And afterwards, just if you could describe more about syntonics. Okay. Syntonics is, um, in simple terms, is a form of light therapy. Now, for those of you, your viewers who remember Star Trek, when we went to battle stations, the old Klingons were coming across and you, they went to battle stations, the, red, the lights in the spacecraft went to red. And this is reality in battleships and submarines. Red lights are used because it helps to stimulate the fight and flight response. Someone coming with a sword, you quickly react, but the, the Klingons suddenly uncloaking, um, Oh, do I need to bother? Yes, you need to still react. You need to hit that button quickly to, to fight them. On the opposite side of the system, you have a baby born with jaundice. And typically uh, in hospitals, they put them under a blue phototherapy unit because blue light works on the opposite side of the nervous system. It helps them to recover better uh, from their condition um, and um, uh, greater survival. So light is used uh, a lot both in medicine and in the military. But one of the things it has not really gone into too much is, is optometry. But the history of syntonics actually goes back to the early 1900s. And uh, research by a medical doctor, um, he identified with thousands of patients that certain frequencies of light would help different aspects of their health, and particularly with vision. Um, and he wrote his book in 1940, um, and this was the Bible up until quite recently in Syntonics. Um, and we were the first people in the UK to bring Syntonics in. It's very, it's increasingly common now in America. Uh, it's quite big in Australia, in Spain, in the, in the German countries, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, etc. But it's very small in, in the UK. There's only, at the moment, about four or five opticians that are using it. Um, hopefully, uh, we're doing a course in March um, up in London, so hopefully we'll be having a few more people uh, doing syntonics. And when we have people doing syntonics, uh, you see in the background there, there's an instrument uh, that I'm just pointing to here. That's the syntonic unit. 
uh, and that has um, 11 different filters which we combine to specifically to the problem that we're dealing with. So we use different filters for emotional problems, children with learning difficulties, people with brain injury. Um, we use specific ranges of filters. And what it helps to do is put the nervous system into a balanced, relaxed format. So that once the children or the adults have um, done the syntonics, their brain is now ready to learn. And then we do the vision training activities. And vision training activities in our practice, rather than repetitive, do this activity, follow your finger into the nose, backwards and forwards, and do that five minutes a day for four weeks, and then we'll do some other activities with you. What we do is give or give our patients a an activity where the brain has to think, how do I do that? And then when they come in the next time, you'll treat that same condition but in a different way. So each time they come in, there's new challenges, new challenges, and the brain likes likes new things. Um, so the idea is rather than teaching a repeat, repeat, um, boring activity, you give uh, each session um, a new uh, new experience to the brain so that it learns how to handle all these different elements. Exactly. And I understand that there are people who can do uh, the syntonics at home. So what yes. do they use? Yeah, um, very much in the States um, and in Europe, they are doing syntonics uh, at home. Uh, it is something that needs to be done under supervision. Um, from our point of view, in our practice, we don't, we prefer to work uh, office based because that way you have total control over what's happening. Um, in the past, uh, I have seen cases in the States where um, Johnny's been, been to the optometrist and all oh, use these syntonic filters and then you found the brothers and sisters have been using them as well. Well, it may be totally unsuitable for them uh, at that particular filter and increasing their problems or reducing the problem. Um, from us, from a personal angle, we have worked with home therapy units and we've worked with the in-office therapy um, and we just find the in-office therapy works more efficiently. But that's a personal view. Uh, there's no evidence-based research to show that one's better than the other. I think each optometrist relates to his patients and relates to the tools in his box to provide the best thing for that individual patient. Uh -huh. And could you describe us uh, like a normal session, like what would one expect to do in a session? Okay. Um, in our our practice is, is a little bit unique because we work um, very quickly. Conventional vision therapy, if I can use that word for a moment, conventional, because obviously it's a limited number of people that do vision training. Um, but in, in the main, uh, in you sort of you having assessed the, the individual and decided of the program of vision therapy. Uh, then the patient goes to the vision therapist and they are taught some activities 
and they go away and they practice them for a week or a fortnight. Uh, then they come back, they see the vision therapist again, who gives them more activities and this builds up. An example of this was a course that I did back in the late 90s. And this chap, uh, he taught us this program where coming week one, here are four activities to do, practice these. At the end of that first week, you start, um, we give you four new activities. And this went on for 12 weeks. At the end of 12 weeks, good, you, everything's going on well, I want you to start again at week one and repeat the whole activity again. So at 24 weeks is when you got your first review. And what you see in the American um, Facebook page that children in therapy, six to 14 months, now you start to see why it takes so long. The way we were trained uh, by uh, late Dr. Wayne Farr, who was from uh, Florida, was to combine syntonics and vision therapy in an intensive manner. So what we do in our practice is we see patients in the main. So when we're working with the elderly, we can't work at this speed, but with children and the younger adults, where we can fit it around their work schedule, uh, is we like to see them for an hour morning, hour afternoon. There's a three hour gap in the middle, five days a week for two weeks. And the vast majority um, will make substantial improvements uh, and some will normalize uh, within that time scale. Um, we then do um, a four week home therapy program, which they're taught on at the end of the um, vision therapy program. Um, and we then review them again at the end of that month and see if there's any little things that just want a bit of fine tuning at that point. In a typical session with us, um, we use two light therapy pieces of equipment, first of all. Uh, one is called a TBI, it flashes lights very quickly between the eyes, so it's right eye, left eye, um, around nine cycles a second. And it's really so fast, I look at it as these children or patients have a shut down brain system. There's lots of connections that are not firing. And with this flashing so quickly, right by left eye, I cannot, I've got to open the doorways. That's how I, I picture it. Then we do the syntonics, and that's two sessions of 10 minutes using different frequencies of light. And then we get onto the vision training activities. And can you tell us a few of your success stories? I mentioned Alex as an example. Um, now Alex was um, about 12, 13 when he came in. He was struggling a bit in school and the school thought he had problems with his vision. Uh, his mum took him to the local optician and he couldn't see very well, but no glasses were needed. So they referred him to the hospital. They went to, took him to the hospital and they said, well, yeah, well, we don't really know what's wrong with you. Find another optometrist. So he came into our practice. And Alex could only see four lines down the letter chart. So he was really struggling in school. That's below legal limit for driving. When I asked him, I said to him across the room, well, look at my nose, Alex, and tell me how far down my body you can see. And he could just about see the collar of my shirt. This is 
10 feet away. And mum said, but I can see the floor. And Alex said, no, of course you can't, don't be silly. Uh, a week into therapy, you could see the bottom line on the chart and you could see the floor with peripheral vision without to normal. And um, several years later, he's doing very, very well. And his mum joined us as one of our vision therapists, as you met her, Michelle. <laughs> so that's how Michelle came to work for us. <laughs> how do we make more schools aware of vision therapy and the NHS in general? <laughs> I wish I did know the answer to that question. Um, from our point of view, we have tried hard in our area. Um, we've written to all the schools in, in Dorset, uh, inviting, uh, inviting them to a meeting or for me to attend the school to talk to them, uh, and the success is zero. There is no, they are not interested. Um, the universities in the UK um, tend to be looking just at the coloured lens side of things. Um, there's not much research really going on in the UK in the universities on these problems, much more from the states. Um, coloured lenses can be beneficial to some children, and if opticians have got nothing else in the armoury, um, the coloured overlays are often beneficial. But they're not really solving a problem. Um, they are, it's like it's a sticking plaster, but we won't worry about sort of stitching your leg up. We'll just sort of give you something to keep you going. And um, what you tend to find with the coloured lenses is, uh, number one, it's quite expensive to, to get them. Um, then you go back six months later, well, the brain has adapted a little bit to the colour, uh, so we need a different coloured lens, and this goes on. And an example was he was a gentleman in his 30s who came to see us uh, late last year. Um, he had been wearing coloured lenses since he was in his teens, regularly changed. And when we assessed him, he had all the visual problems that I would expect to see of someone with, with vision-related learning difficulties. So the lens was helping him, but it wasn't treating the problem. Um, and we're waiting for him to actually come back uh, into vision therapy at some point and so we can actually fix fix the difficulties. So they're not getting in there. It's, to some extent, it's like um, a child who's going short-sighted. We can't, um, and what do we do with a child who's short-sighted? Oh dear, you're going short-sighted. Well, from the optician's point of view, isn't this wonderful news? I've got a patient for life. Let's give you glasses and this is great. Um, but the question mark at the moment is, well, why is that child going short-sighted? And um, within the UK, in the last 50 years, short-sightedness has doubled. They reckon it's gone up 10% since the iPad, iPhone has been invented. And in places like Singapore, Taiwan, it is a major health issue because over 90% of postgraduate students are short-sighted. And the more short-sighted you are, the bigger the eyeball, the bigger the eyeball, the great, the thinner the retina gets and the greater chance of retinal detachment. So short-sightedness actually um, in high levels is a potential for blindness. So then we're doing a lot of research over there to try to uh, slow down the progression of short-sightedness, look at ways of, of avoiding it. So 
Uh, here we have special contact lenses uh, being used um, a lot in America and in Europe are doing vision therapy to try and slow the reduction of short sighted now. It's an area we haven't gone into yet, um, though that may happen in, in the future, but at the moment I still have uh, certain doubts in that area. Um, so it's, it's a complicated one. There's no sort of simple answer how we get this in message out um, is by people like yourself and Michelle Hillman over in the States um, with her Facebook um, Vision Therapy Parents Unite. It's the, it's the parents of this world, very often the mothers of this world, that drive development. Uh, and that's where the need can come. It's one thing for the optical profession to say, well, yeah, some of us can do this and some of us can't. But when you have the parents going and say, demanding, I want this and I want that, you've only got to look recently at the NH bill with autism. But, you know, in, in the new regulations for treating children with autism, they're given far more rights and for treatments than um, have previously been available. And where has this been driven? It's been driven through the parents, not through the uh, health bodies. Yeah. What I find difficult always to explain to parents is when they say, oh, his vision is, is fine. He's been to Vision Express or Boots or... Uh, yeah, for, for me, well, I mean, I obviously see this a lot. We have people that have been in, I've been to this one, I've been to that one, I've been to the other. And when I have them in the consulting room and, and for me, I like to, if, where possible, it's good to have both, when you're doing an assessment, to have both parents that they can both view what's happening because otherwise it gets very complicated when mum gets home and tries to explain to dad what she's seen because it's very different to a normal eye test. But when you look at, uh, I find that once the, the parent is watching and observing this is something they're watching and observing their child they're not looking at their iphone for a few minutes <laughs> but they watch that how does that child follow a, a target you know, is you know you, you hold something up like a nice pen and oh watch, watch this jimmy and i want you to just keep watching my pen now what you should get is the eyes just follow the pen oh yeah that's nice but what you'll often see that's a child who has reduced problem this is a child who has a major problem because he doesn't know where the pen's going, but he knows he's going somewhere off to the side and if it, he moves his head over, eventually the pen will get to it. Then we look at the convergent side and what we'll see is we might see the head suddenly move back or the chi and peer forward. They have problems in turning the eyes in. And the parents are starting now to realize where the difficulties are coming. Then we take um, a reading chart, and I just happen to have got a calendar here in front of me. Um, but what I say to him is, when does it get blurry? Oh, it's gone difficult. And when does it get blurry again? Oh, it's gone difficult. This is the reading range. Now, no optician has tested this for the children, but the parents, you say to them, now you start to see why your child gets so close to things while they're struggling to read. And I don't need to explain a tremendous amount because they can see it for themselves where their childhood problems are coming in. So then it makes it easy to explain 
uh, what's going on. And then once we've got that, then we start to go into the more technical elements and looking at the periphery and how they organize their space world um, and how the eyes team up together, etc. Uh-huh. And Jeff, how can people contact you? Um, well, in the first instance, I would say um, there's two, two websites to look at. One is the British Association of Behavioural Optometrists, which is www.babo.co.uk. And on there, there is a, you, as you slightly down on the screen, you'll see Find a Behavioural Optometrist. You click that, you go down the screen a bit and you just type in your address and it'll give you someone local um, who you can talk to. And the my personal um, website is www.visiontherapy.co.uk. Um, then we've got the um, Facebook pages. Um, mine is Vision Therapy UK. Um, We've mentioned um, the American site, Vision Therapy Parents Unite, and there's a UK one, I can't think of the name of it, but you probably know it. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember the name of the British one for the moment. But any of those will give you information. And the nice thing about the Facebook pages is that you get the conversations between parents. You're not alone, you're not unique. Um, a child who has a lazy eye is a big problem for parents. You know, what do you do? Do you go down surgery? What's vision therapy? The ophthalmologist says, well, vision therapy, what's that? That doesn't work. Well, how much research is there into how successful screen surgery is? Actually, this, this, the research is actually very poor um, and shows poor results. A lot of the vision therapy stuff actually shows better results. But hang on a minute, these people, ophthalmologists, they're surgeons at the end of the day. They want as quick a fix as they can have. And what do they want? What does the parent want? I want my parent, my child not to look um, odd. I want my child to look as they've got straight eyes. But squint surgery does not um, make a, a bad eye uh, better. It does, a lazy eye is a lazy eye. It doesn't the squint surgery? All it does is straighten the eyes and make them point in the right direction. Whereas vision therapy has the potential to improve the quality of that lazy eye, and in some cases straighten the eye. Um, and it may be appropriate that squint surgery is appropriate, but if you do vision therapy before and vision therapy after, then you've got a much better chance the two eyes working together. You know, if you think about it sort of 20 years ago, you have surgery on your knee, yeah, you have your surgery on your knee, you'd lay in bed for a couple of months, uh, they'd give you some crutches and off you go. Nowadays, after the surgery, there's the physio working on your knee. But you have squint surgery and no one does vision therapy on the most complex organ in the body. It doesn't, it's not logical. Because if you can incorporate, do the surgery to straighten the eye and then teach the brain how to use the eyes, is a much more um, better way of doing it. And going back a hundred years, surgeons did vision training with something called orthotics. And orthotics is still in the, in the hospitals today. 
but it's much more in support of the ophthalmologist and much more in a sort of measuring role rather than a vision training role. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, in syntonics, once you see a major improvement, do you think a person needs to repeat the treatment in 10 years' time? No, it shouldn't. Once what you're doing with in vision therapy is basically, um, how should I put it, in a person's development, whether you're looking at a child or a brain injury, adult or aging, um, there's been an impact on their nervous system which is affecting the way the visual system functions. When you do vision therapy, you're really retraining the brain to use this information in an efficient manner. Um, so once it learns how to do it, ah, so it's not a case of something that just wears off. It, it's there, it's locked in, and every day-to-day -day, um, use should keep it there. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for the wonderful talk we just okay. had. Take it longer than I thought it would. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Sensory Change podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. For more information on sensory input and ideas, visit danaletta.com. Join our community this month to get a free seven-day online course packed with practical sensory activities and strategies.